Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone in podcast listening land. I'm Karen Devaney. And I'm Ann Barner. And, and we're, we're sisters. sisters. Welcome to Sugarcoated Murder, where we'll discuss and probably inappropriately laugh about and comment on. Yep, one of our favorite subjects murder. murder. Oh, and we love to bake. And why not combine our two favorite subjects? Baking and killers. Hello, Karen Devaney. Hello, Ann Warner. How's it going? It's good. How are you? It's been a crazy week, and it's only the middle of the week. Yeah, it's been a really long week. I feel like this week's been like a month. Oh, you think it's been a long week? I think it's been an exciting week. Oh, well, it has been exciting. I guess, I don't know. Parts of my life, it feels like it goes by fast, and other parts, it don't feel like it goes by so fast. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had, let's see, on Monday, we had an interview with somebody who may or may not do an article on us. We'll but see. we really hope he does. Lee. <laughs> no. I think it's up to the editor. But, I know. Uh, Lee's editor. Hopefully the editor will fall in love with us. We'll see I what know, happens. That was really fun. Even if our article doesn't make it in the paper, it was a really, I really feel like that we've made a really good contact because I think he's a great kid. Yeah. He's Super. a great guy. I shouldn't call him a kid. No. Yeah, for me, he's a kid. Yeah, because he's the same age as our kids. <laughs> I know, but... You know, I'm sure he's trying to be a man, not a kid. So, right. But, yeah. you know, right. I Very like professional. Just, it was yes. a nice laid-back setting. It wasn't intimidating. It uh, wasn't stiff or anything. It was really kind of fun. And I just feel like, you know, he's a good guy to know. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, anytime you go into an interview, you've got to have to kind of get yourself prepared as to what kind of questions they might ask. I know. Do your whole thing. So, I know... For us, we had been talking, some people have been asking us, you know, what's your slogan? Okay. And I know where this is going. We've even jotted down a couple, you know, some things that we say at the end of our podcast, usually stay sweet, don't kill people. If yeah. you kill people, we will talk about you. Yeah. We've even discussed maybe throwing in murder sprinkled with some sugars. And killer recipes. Killer recipes. We've talked about all of yes. these things. We have. And as we're uh-huh. talking to... We spoke about all of them. Yes. <laughs> so we're getting to go and... As we're going to the interview, we're speaking about yeah, it. Yeah, we were very, very prepared. And then we get into the freaking interview. Okay. Calm and at down. least five times during the interview... Which was over an hour. Karen Devaney says, we're just a couple of broads baking stuff in the kitchen talk and talking about, about murder. Well, because he was saying things like... You know, y'all are journalists. And I was like, we're not journalists. We're just a couple of broads in the kitchen talking when about murder. When have we ever, ever referred to ourselves as broads? I don't know. Back in the 40s, I think in our past life, we were just a couple of broads. No, we've never been a couple of broads. I know. I've said the Me Too movement back about 40 yeah. years, I think. He so. probably went home and was like, broad. He probably had to call his mother or his grandmother and right. say, what's a broad? And then his editor's going to be like, you can't call these girls broads. Exactly. And the editor's going to think he made the whole thing up because there's no way any female today would refer, would refer themselves. to themselves as just a broad in the kitchen. We didn't know. You know, it's just what we feel. It's what we feel. It's, it's yeah. what I feel. I feel like we're just a couple of broads in the kitchen. So d- stay tuned. We haven't yet decided <laughs> on a slogan. It may be two broads in a kitchen talking about murder. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Because that's what we do. And we're just, I think my thing, we're just ordinary people. We don't look at ourselves as journalists by any means. No. And he was saying... But at this point, we are, because we do go in and we research. We do a lot of research, and we we write the heck out of everything. We write everything up. Yeah. So, So. in a way, this is kind of like a a voice blog. Yeah. But... Um, I don't. I don't think I've ever looked at myself like I'm a journalist or abroad. I'm just saying. Okay, maybe maybe I look at myself as abroad. I just don't say it out loud. So as we are approaching the end of September, the weather here in South Carolina has cooled down tremendously, yes. and we've actually had some days that have felt like what I remember fall to be, yes. which is rare here. It we is don't very rare. Get it. Um, Yes. Sometimes even in the fall, 
you know, I'll see like one leaf that's turned yellow and be like, oh my God, it's fall. Yeah. Yeah. Or we'll have a night that, you know, dips into the high 50s, but then the next day it's still in the high 80s. Right. And the humidity is the biggest problem. Right. So the past couple of days, I was telling you, um, we slept with our windows open last night, which is, I don't remember the last time I did that. Yeah. That's great. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So, so this has been nice. So I'm kind of, I picked my recipe around kind of a fall feeling. Yeah. And we've got ourselves cups of tea. We yes. love the, we call it tiger tea. Yeah. But I think it's called. Bingle. Bingle tea maybe. Bingle. I'm not sure. We call it tiger tea because there's a tiger on the box. Yes. That it comes in. But we have sweetened it just a tiny little bit oh, with the so most good. delicious honey. From our friend Farmer Katie. Y'all at, remember Farmer Katie? At she's Growing Minds. Yep, she's at Growing Minds. So thank you so much, Farmer Katie, for the honey. Yes, she if, also, you all, if you guys are local, you should definitely look up Growing Minds and go and buy. She has eggs, fresh farm eggs. She even let Ann and my son go over and pick the eggs right up underneath the chicken's butt. That was an experience. And I didn't negotiate. Yes. And Please of don't take me. The goats, but then she sells, you know, um, she sells a lot of herbs when it's herb season. I don't right. know when it's herb season. And then I think egg season is getting ready to go out because yes. she said the that eggs they stop laying when it gets cooler weather or something. But for a month and then they'll start up again. Right. They so, got to rest. Everybody's got to rest. Everybody needs a break. Yeah. So yeah, and um, they she's now she's raising bees and making her own honey, and it's amazing what she's doing. Her daughter does. um, What does her daughter do? She makes soap. Soap, yeah, and I think she also helps with the bees. And she does help with the bees. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, hats off to Farmer Katie and her very yummy. Yes. Honey that has made it into our tea today. It is delicious. And I'm not a big fan of honey. I'll be really honest with you, but this is delish. I think the difference is the raw honey doesn't have that burny feeling in the Maybe. back of your throat. I feel like a lot of honey that you get that's already been pasteurized or whatever, it's been chemically induced with something. I think I think that's a difference. Well, and I'm sure Farmer Katie adds a little love to hers. Well, of course, I can taste it right now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, so because it's fall, y'all, <laughs> let's hear about what you're making because I could not be more excited about this. Yes, so um, who doesn't love apple cider? I don't know. I don't even crazy. know. So I today I am making apple cider donuts. Mm. I've never made donuts before. I bought a donut pan for the first time in my life. That's exciting. So this will be for a first. Uh, of course, I got this from Sally's Baking Addiction because I'm addicted to Sally's Addiction. Yeah, That's just all the rest. We're addicted to Sally. Yeah, definitely. So, but it's nice because when I post on the gram that we've made something, like when I post the pictures of what we've made and I tag right. her, yeah. she always likes it, which Aww. is such an honor for that me. That is so that, nice. That she takes the time to do that. Yeah. So anyway, these seem to be very easy. Um, I, they call for reduced apple cider, which I did this morning because it takes about 20 minutes to do it and then it needs to be cooled right but it's very simple you take a cup and a half of apple cider put it in a saucepan put it on low and then you um after you you put it on like to simmer and it simmers for she says it takes about 20 minutes for her i think it took maybe a little bit more maybe 23 minutes for me i don't know right but it reduces down to a cup so you want to take a one and a half cups and reduce it to a cup and what that does is it reduces and when it does, it gets a really strong flavor. Gotcha. And that really helps bring the flavor out in the recipe. Yeah, because I've tasted apple cider donuts before that just didn't have an apple cider have, taste. Yeah, it didn't have a good kick. So but, I'm hoping that these do. So it's really simple. It's something that I think that um, I'll be able to prep in the evenings and then get up in the mornings on Saturdays or Sundays and whip out a, a dozen of donuts. I can't us. wait. <laughs> no. <laughs> So it's really simple. You take your dry ingredients, which is just your basics. It's your flour, um, brown sugar, white sugar, baking powder, baking soda, um, apple spice, apple pie spice, apple pie spice, cinnamon, and a little bit of salt. And you put those dry ingredients aside and right. roll. And then you're gonna, I'm going to mix my wet ingredients, which is going to be my one egg, melted butter, vanilla, and milk mm. and i'm going to whisk that and then i'm going to put put it all together combine it and then at the end after it's combined you fold you just kind of stir in your apple cider right that's been reduced and then you 
put it into your muffin, not your muffin pans, you can make it as muffins actually, in your donut pans and you bake it. And it only bakes for like 10 minutes and it's supposed to be real cakey. Right. And then when you bring it out, you let them cool and then you throw them in some unsalted butter and then you roll them around in this sugar, cinnamon, and apple pie spice that mixture. so exciting. And it coats it. So um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait either. Because so I can remember when we it. were... When we were growing up, we had dear friends that left our hometown for a short period of time and moved to New Jersey. Yeah. And while we were, when we would go and visit them in their big old house in New Jersey, um, Betsy would make us Morton's donuts that she would, they came frozen, yep. remember? And she would put them in the oven to heat them up. That's all she did. But we thought she was making donuts. But they were the best damn donuts. They were good. And you can't find them. No, you, you can't, can't find them. them anywhere. I mean, maybe they can in New Jersey or somewhere, but they don't have them around here anywhere. And I long for the taste of those donuts. Yeah, those donuts were second They were so none. good. So hopefully this will be close. I hope so. I need to Fingers know. crossed. Fingers crossed. All right, so while you're busy in my kitchen. You're going to tell me about a murder? I, I am. I, did, I decided to do something different this week because oh. the last two I've talked about have been so very intense. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying there isn't... Oh. Little, so intense. A little gore in this one, but um, I've never done anybody like that's famous. You know, like okay, You've, I've never done a famous person either. Like, not famous, but um, has a lot of notoriety. You know, okay, infamous. Infamous. There you go. <clears throat> so I did a little blurb on Ed Gate. Do you know who that is? No. So, he is the inspiration behind Norman Bates of Psycho. Oh, oh. Um, okay. The killer in Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter. Uh-huh. And uh, Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, was also after him? The, yeah. They're oh all gosh. inspired from this one, one man. He's Can you imagine? Crazy. Yeah, that's So, that's he's like the real Norman Bates. Oh, wow. And do you, you watch, did you ever watch the Bates Motel? I think you did. I did, yes. Right, where they talk about, it's like a, a TV series that ran, and it focused on Norman Bates as a young as a young Yeah, a man. youngster. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up and his mother and the dynamic. If you haven't watched that series, it's off now. But it's the actor that plays Norman is now the actor that's on um, The, the Good, Good Doctor, doctor. Yeah. who plays a... a aspiring doctor that has Asperger's. Yeah. So, um, that was a great show and kind of gave you a little bit of a deep dive into... Into poor Norman's mind and how it got to be where it was. Right, right. But then when you read the story of where he came from and who he was, they, they did a really good job, but I think that it's what they showed on TV times like 20. Oh, probably. So, um, Ed was born in 1906. Mm-hmm. And he grew up in a household. He had an older brother named Henry. His dad was named, I can't remember, I'm going to tell you, George. George. Oh, George. And his mom, his mama's name is Augusta. Oh, okay. That's an interesting name. So they were, they lived in Wisconsin. I didn't know that either. Me I don't know either. why. I guess we've been so focused on other, like, small hometown type murders that we've not really focused on the big ones. But, um, and I'll be honest with you, when you go in and you look at some of these serial killers, there's so much information and so much detail. It's like, I don't know if I could do it justice. Yeah, you there's know? a and lot. For some of the older ones, you and I like to focus on um, what can we tell you about the victim and so that we can bring light to the victim and, well, yeah, and we really like don't want to glorify the killer, right. and we don't think that they deserve any type of extra credit. Right, but back, you know, when these things happened in the early 1900s, they didn't have a lot of information on who the people were that were killed. No, they didn't, so, and, the, um, and, and now we have the internet where you can actually... I mean, there are times when I'm researching a murder and I can't find a lot about the, the victim, and I'll go... I can actually find their obituary online and go read it. Right. Which tells me a little bit about who that victim was. Right. Right. But back then, I don't think you could do that. Right. And, uh, yeah. So, anyway, um, 
Ed grew up with an older brother, Henry. His father, George, was an alcoholic. His mother, Augusta, was a religious fanatic. Oh, like, like super strict on religion and sin and just um, anything to do with sex was immoral. And, you know, raising two boys, you kind of have to help them find their way in yeah. life. But you cannot repress them. It's no, not healthy for them. It's a, you have to walk a fine line. You do. Because you don't want to create something that seems so taboo that, that it becomes... An obsession. Exactly. So, but uh, Augusta, that's not how she, she did. She didn't do a good job. She, that is not at all how that she. That was not her approach. No. No. <laughs> but uh, so Henry and Ed helped out. They the family lived on a farm, and um, the dad George passed away in 1940. He was an alcoholic, so that's not a big shocker. But Ed and Henry would go and do odd jobs. And um, it was also their responsibility to take care of the property. So in 1944, Ed and his brother Henry are out clearing some brush. Now, remember, Ed was born in 1906. Henry's a little bit older. So these aren't just two kids out cleaning up brush. They're just a couple brush. of rods. They're just a couple of rods <laughs> cleaning up some brush. Yeah. And what do you do with brush on a farm? You burn you it. You burn it. Right? Well, somehow or another, poor Henry goes missing. Okay. And um, when Augusta tries to figure out where Henry is, she calls the police in. The police come in, and somehow Ed is able to lead them to where Henry is. Initially, they were thinking perhaps he died because this brush fire that they were burning got out of control. Okay. And it just became unmanageable, and that's how he died. But Henry had um, some bruising on his head and body that maybe didn't come from the fire, right? Because how many fires that you know of caused bruising? Not outdoor fires. But no charges were ever brought, but there was some speculation that perhaps Ed had something to do with it. Further down the line. Okay. Further down the line. Okay. So, Ed was not the social type. He didn't date. He stuck close to home. He, when when I say he was a mama's boy, he was like a mama's boy to the hundredth degree. He was obsessed with his mother. Mm. Obsessed. Just completely loved her, wanted to be around her constantly. Which she probably really enjoyed and fed into. Oh. Because that's what felt good to her. Absolutely. Especially... Once she lost her husband. Yes. Well, by 1945, Augusta had passed away. And that left Ed kind of alone, right? Yeah. Because his brother's dead, his mother and his father are both gone. And it's just him out on that farm. And he stayed um, in that family home and was able to provide for himself, get this, mm-hmm. by working odd jobs for his neighbors and babysitting he was like the town babysitter. Oh, that's so scary. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at that point, they didn't know anything. It's true. So why wouldn't you? You're I guess. a kid, and he's lost pretty much everybody He's in not his a life. kid, though. This is a 40-year-old man. Okay, but now. here's a 40-year-old man who has lost everybody in his life. Mm-hmm. And the townspeople probably thought, and especially back then, nobody thought twice about that. Right. And... You know, they wouldn't have thought twice about letting a 40-year-old man come in and take care of their kids. I they, guess. They just wouldn't. But I guess. today we know better. Sorry, yeah. 40-year-old men, but you, <laughs> you shouldn't be babysitting. It's just not okay. Yeah. So, um, Ed pretty much flew under the radar until 1957. Mm-hmm. But in 1957, a local hardware store owner named Bernice went missing. Bernice. Bernice, yeah. Aw, Bernie. Ed and, and Bernice had been seen together just before she disappeared. Okay. So the police go and they question Ed and kind of look around. Actually, they found Ed at a neighbor's house. They asked Ed some questions. They, at this point, they've not gone to the house. Okay. And um, they say, listen, we got to go look at your house and see what the hell's going on over there. So, um, 
here's the thing. Bernice had a son, and her son was a deputy sheriff. So when Bernice went missing, he was like, uh, we're going to do everything we can to go find my mama. Of course. Why wouldn't you? Right. She's not in her house. He goes to the hardware store, walks in, and oh my God, the cash register's missing. The whole freaking cash register. Oh my gosh. Which kind of made me, it didn't make me chuckle, but I was like, remember when our dad had the pharmacy and the thieves yes. cut the cinder blocks out of the outside wall, yep, crawled sure through a did. hole, and tried to steal the cash register, but it, it, it didn't so make a big hole big and enough. Heavy that it wouldn't fit through. <laughs> and then they tried to pry it open, which they were not successful at. Right, when they could have just hit one button and it would have yeah, opened. Yeah, but they were not very smart. No. But anyway, so the cash register's gone and there's a trail of blood leading out back. Oh, no. So this guy's like, all right, we're going to Ed's house. They get to Ed's house, they walk in, and immediately are greeted. With Bernice's headless, what, what, what? Gutted what? body hanging from the ceiling. No. Right. Okay, this is a little gory. Well, have you not heard about Psycho <laughs> or yes. Hannibal Lecter or um, did you ever hear anything about the guy from Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Did you see that movie? I did not see that movie. My parents would not let me see that oh, movie. Oh, right. Because I didn't do well with scary no. movies. <laughs> I ended up sleeping with them for days upon days. Oh, so. God, I can remember after children in the corn sleeping in the sleeping bag on their floor for at least a week until my mother, until mother was like, get out. Yeah. It, <laughs> you yeah. cannot be here anymore. Get out. Yeah. Hmm. So... They also find that there's some, they find jars of organs oh. around the house. And we're not talking the organs that you play. No, church. no, no, no. Okay. And skulls, skulls that he had used for soup bowls. Now, I, I was I mean, that's, that's. It's very creative. It's but very I wonder, artistic. How does, how does that hold up like in the dishwasher? Do I don't you, think they had dishwasher. Do you hand wash? You only hand wash. Okay. So you got to hand wash that, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's a little labor-intensive to get all the cracks and crevices up. Skull. I mean, I don't know. The inside of a skull's pretty smooth. I guess. I just don't know how you avoid the eye holes with, and the nose holes with it leaking out. He must have just taken the cranium. I guess. I don't know. Listen it, to me acting like I know about uh, skulls. It's a little, holes. It is a little scary. <laughs> so... This find causes them to say, "All right, we gotta, we gotta really take a deep dive here." And they did notice that he, that Ed had this family home that he had been living in was pretty much falling down, except for any room that his mother used often was pristine, oh, neat, well preserved, well preserved, taken care of. Um, but everything else was like a total shit show. Oh my god! Yeah. So. They found, when they started poking around, that Ed, oh, Eddie boy, had been robbing graves, oh. collecting body parts, which he used to make household items, mm -hmm. like clothing and masks. Not clothing. Yeah. Not masks. Not, I don't Again, did that. you watch Silence of the Lambs? I did, but probably through like a... A blanket, or a, I didn't like. I'm a scaredy cat. I don't watch that stuff very. I don't watch the details. Oh God, <laughs> you wouldn't be watching it now. You would have watched it when you were a teenager, but yeah. you were focused on different things back then. Yeah, I just that was scared. I didn't. Like so that. they also found the head of Mary Hogan, who had operated the local tavern and had disappeared in 1954. Oh, so God. that was a bonus, right? Bonus. <laughs> Hello, no. Mary. Is it? Honest? I'm not sure. I just didn't know all of this stuff about about Ed. No. Um. Anyway, when the authorities questioned him, he confessed to killing Bernice and Mary. He also admitted that he had been digging up corpses for body parts, necrophilia, and skin, so he could make his skin suits and masks to wear around the house. He wore them? He wore them. He wore them around the house. I'm guessing that's why he had Bernice hanging. He was probably oh, he drying, was drying, her, drying out. her out, maybe. So in January of 1957, Ed was found 
unfit to stand trial <laughs> and was committed to Central State Hospital in Wisconsin. Oh, my gosh. Where he worked as a mason, and he even became a medical center aide. Hello, creepy. Creepy. Do you want him to be your aide? I don't want no. him to be anywhere near me. No. No. Huh? No. This is a no. So, I always thought this guy was like, they sent him to prison and... You know, he got life sentences, or he was sent to the electric chair. I had no idea. But in 19, so he's hanging out in this mental hospital, the state-run mental hospital. Which, by the way, you don't get any better over there. They, you just, well, uh, you get sore. Let me tell you. But I don't know, maybe they were studying him. In 1968, they take Ed back to court and say, all right, now you're fit to stand trial. Okay, okay. So maybe, maybe whatever they were doing over there was, was working, working for him. Right. And Or he was using all, he was learning all the right words to say. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> and they, they do, he goes up for Bernice's murder. Mm -hmm. He's found guilty. Oh, that's a good thing. However, he's also found to have been insane at the time of the murder. Here we go. So he was sent back to the Central State Hospital. He didn't go to jail. Did you know that? I had no yeah, idea. Those places are not great. I don't know. He seems to be doing really well there. Well, I mean, there's probably structure, and he's probably figured out you don't have to eat cereal out of a skull. I don't know. Nice. I don't know. I feel like maybe he enjoyed that. Well, maybe he just felt like... He could be around other people that were like-minded. Maybe. Maybe. You don't know. No. So, in 1974, Ed did petition the court for his release, I guess, but he felt like in 1974 he was well sure. enough to be among society. Thankfully, they denied his request. Oh, my gosh. Thankfully. And then at some point in the 70s, he started to get sick. They transported him to, I think it's called Mendota. Mental Health Institute, fancy, because this is now, you know, like a, not a state-run facility, but a private hospital. An institute. Right. Where he died of cancer and respiratory illness in 1984. Wow. How crazy is that? Yeah. I never knew that he never went to jail. There are a lot of people that when you're found insane, you never go to jail. Went to a mental institution. Some of these moms that killed their babies in our times. They're, remember, they're in mental institutions. They're not in jail. Really? Mm -hmm. I guess I haven't really Now, there are attention. places that you send people for the criminally insane because it's different than if you and I go check ourselves in for depression or anxiety or whatever. It's not the same place. So when you send somebody to a state-run hospital, they usually have a section for the criminally insane. Right. So they don't always get the same privileges that... Just a private Joe Schmo that walked in off the street and said, I, I need to check myself in for whatever. Right. It's not the same. It's the criminally insane. They are watched. They are housed differently. Right. I mean, it is diff it's different, mm -hmm. which is good. And I know they've made some improvements to those places over the years, so they're not so bad. But I still, I, I just, I was shocked. I was surprised. I was just shocked. I was that he had never spent any time in jail. Yeah, I really was. Because who would have thought? Um, I mean, you know, you see that character in Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter, is in a straitjacket behind a <laughs> behind a uh, cell, a glassed-in cell. Right, where they're studying him. Right, where he can't get out. And but the, right, but the guy that... Whatever her name was. What was her name? Jodie Foster. What was her character's Clarice? Clarice. The guy that she was hunting that, that Hannibal was helping her with. Right. Was the butterfly wild, guy. Or wild, wild, Bill. wild Bill. And that's the guy that skinned people. Right. And that's probably where. Yeah. Hannibal just ate people, right? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know that Ed was eating any of them. He was. No, he was having, having some sex sexual with relations with the, the corpses. And then, because, you know, Wild Bill had the skin lamps in yeah, his yeah. house and that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So that's probably where they got that kind of stuff. Yeah. Was from this guy. It's crazy. I mean, they really don't. And what's this like, guy's name again? Ed Gain. Ed Gain. Yeah, I think it's Gain. G E I N. It sounds like Gain. Yeah. That's what I'm calling him. 
or it could be Jean. That's not Jean, right. Jean, I don't think so. Jane. Gian, no. Gian, Ed Gian. <laughs> well, here in South Kakawaki, we're calling him Ed Gain. Ed, Ed Gain. That's what we're going to call him. Yes. Well, that's so, so interesting. Thank you. I, it was uh, not something that I've done before. Yeah. But it's getting close to Halloween, so you kind of start thinking about scary movies. And I can't watch scary. I know. It's crazy. I told a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago. Um, and we were talking about good books to read, and she likes to read some of the thrillers. And um, I, can't read I said, I can't read those. They're too scary. She said, girl, you do a podcast <laughs> about murder. It's different. It's different. It's, it's different. Yeah. It's like I tell the story. We're telling it in a safe spot. Yeah. And then it's gone. It's just gone. And and it's it seems so far away. Right. No, it may not be far away. It just seems it's, it's just, I don't know, we're in this kitchen protected right. bubble. <laughs> And uh-huh. we feel safe for some reason. But we also are crazy when it comes to our children. Yeah. Always being where they're supposed to be on time. Yeah. And, you know, always keeping up with them. And, and we look out up. for each other. And... We, yeah. So, you know, there, there are things that we've picked up on. Yes. I, again, I was watching a show the other night with my husband and I said, you're not going to believe one of the things that I've learned in our doing our podcast. And he said, what? And I said, I still can't get over the fact that murderers lie. Uh, and they don't just lie. They lie to the point that they are so convincing and they believe their own lies. That's what that just that messes with my mind a little bit. Oh, it doesn't mess with mine because cheaters are the same way. I know. There's not one ounce of like, guilt in them. There's no, not. They, there's no empathy. There's nothing. Right. right. They're vacant. There's they a vacancy so somewhere. Smart. They are emotionally vacant. Like I literally just saw you with this other woman. No, yes. it was a business meeting. You are calling me from meeting. her house. I have caller ID. <laughs> it's not a business meeting at one o'clock in the morning. No, no. <laughs> when you're at the Applebee's, right? <laughs> in the window not. with only her. Exactly. It's yeah. not. Try not to sit at a window seat next time you dumb cheater. And yeah, remember how we got caller ID last week? I'm seeing that you're calling me from her house. Yes. Yes. So not from the Applebee's. No, she's just a good friend from work. Yeah, okay. she sure is. She's such a good friend that you're spending the night at her house and right. you're trying to make me believe that it's all on the up and up. Right. And that's how killers are. They they're the same way. But when I watch them, it's just it blows my mind. There's yeah. not there's no there's they're vacant. They're mm-hmm. just vacant. And I miss my calling in life because I should be studying why we have vacancies, why we have humans that have these emotional vacancies. Lord have mercy. I can't think of a more depressing, horrifying job. I mean, mm. You would have to be making tons of money so that you could take periods of time. That would go where without you can... saying, I'm not going to do this without making a heck of a lot of money. <laughs> where you Duh. can walk away and do. And go com- decompress. Exactly. Because right. that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. It is a lot, but don't like you wonder the mind like hunter, Remember yeah. how the detectives and mind hunters? I mean, their lives were falling apart around them. Well, look at. I mean, there's so many detectives today that stay on these cases for 30 years right. because they're trying to solve this case, and you know, some of them retire and the cases aren't solved, right. and, it, and it sticks with them for the rest of their lives. Very or that even the cases that they do solve, they're haunted by it yeah. forever. They're haunted by either what they see at the crime scene or the conversation with the murderer yeah. just haunts them. But, I mean, this is crazy, but sign me up. I would do it. Yeah. I would do it. I just didn't know. I didn't know back then. And I wasn't studious enough to go through what I needed to go through. Oh I was, God, no. I was, you know, whatever it takes to get me out of college the fastest. Right. Or actually, that's not true. It's when my dad called and said, you're going into your fifth year of college. After this year, you either get a, de- you either have a degree or you're a dropout, but you're not going for a sixth year. <laughs> and I was like, dang. So I sat with my advisor and said, what do I have the most credits in? Business. Got it. What do I need to do? Take these four classes. Got it. Graduated. Right. Yeah. So, but I, I wasn't studious enough. So my donuts are in the oven and the, um, Timer is set. There's like two minutes left on this batch. So I think what we'll do is take a pause. Okay. And while we're pausing, um, I'll pull these out and I'll let them cool and then I'll get the next batch in. I think that sounds like a fantastic idea. Yes. And then um, I'll tell my murder and then we'll take another pause so that I can dip them in the butter and do the brown sugar and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yes. 
and then we'll taste them. Yes. All right. So please hold, y'all. We'll be right back. Yes. And we're back. We are back. And we're back. Just a couple of broads. NPR Radio. (laughs) We're a couple couple of broads. broads. (laughs) So I was watching Raymond this morning. Yeah. And um, Frank was down at the lodge and with his cronies, another old word, and he did say broad. Well, there you go. He, they were, I don't know, it was something about Deborah, and they were, Deborah was down there singing with them and having fun, but behind her back, they were making like sexual comments about her, like yeah, yeah. nice rack. And, out, right? yeah. yeah. And so he came in, and they're like, Who told on us? And, and Frank goes, I did. And he was like, You broke bro code. And Frank said, She's not just some loose broad. <laughs> I was like, there you go, Frank. Right. There's and your broad. That, and that takes place where? In New Jersey? Uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, Pennsylvania. yeah, we're just a couple of broads from mm-hmm. the South. Whatever. Okay, oh. okay. my turn. My All murder right. turn. Let's do it. Let's hear what so you got this to is, say. So, this is a crazy story that I had no idea had happened right here in South Kakalaki, very, very close to home. Oh, jeez. So I'm going to tell you the story about Richard Raymond Valenti. Okay. And I'm his sexual depravity. Oh, dear heavens. Okay. That's the only way I can describe this because it is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Oh, dear. So this story takes place in the 1970s in Folly Beach, South Carolina. I was just oh. sitting on Folly Beach on Sunday. Oh, my God. Had a family beach day on Sunday Upon the dunes oh my of Valley Beach. Yes. Oh, this is crazy. Oh, it is crazy. Oh, my God. So, Let's hear it. February 1974, about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, a teenage girl is discovered tied to a tree in a shopping center. Uh, what? She's tied to a tree. Oh, my Lord. She was alive. Okay. She was unharmed. Okay. But quite traumatized. I can imagine. So she said a strange man had threatened her with a gun and tied her to the tree. And just left her? Yeah. Oh, my Lord. She had seen his face and could describe him to the police. And the police wondered if this incident could have been related to the disappearance of two teenage girls that happened the previous May, but they couldn't be sure. So I'm going to tell you what happened the previous May. Okay. May 23rd, 1973. Okay. Two teenage girls were reported missing from the area. The girls were 15-year-old Jan Clark and 14-year-old Alexis Ann Latimer. Mm -hmm. They had been last seen at the beach house of Alexis's parents. They had gone there to clean the beach house for some extra money for their, you know, just to do chores. Right. And they had vanished without a trace. Oh, my gosh. Just were missing. As a matter of fact, I think it was Jan's mom... Um, was a nurse at Bon Secours mm-hmm. in West Ashley. And she had she was working the night shift, and she was asleep on the couch getting a nap in before she went to work. And her daughter woke her up and said that the Latimers had called to say the girls were nowhere to be found. They couldn't find them. They were missing. Oh, God. Yes. Can you imagine? No, I don't want to. Oh. I honestly don't want to. So they had just vanished. There was no trace of them at the beach house. There was no sign of a struggle. There was no sign of like a forced entry into the house. It was just like they vanished. So then in September of that same year, a young girl escaped from a man that had tried to grab her and rape her. Oh my gosh. She had, this is at Folly Beach? Yes. Oh so she Lord. had reported the incident to local naval officers, but she did not go to the local police. I think she assumed that they would go to the local police, for, but for whatever reason, that was not followed up on. So then in February, um, that girl was found in the, tied to the tree. Okay. Okay. In the shopping center. Nine days after she was found tied to the tree, February 21st, 1974, 16-year-old Mary Erlane Bunch also vanished. She had been hanging out with some friends at Folly Beach, and they said she just disappeared. What must the townspeople have been thinking at this point? I don't think they were thinking a lot because it was 1974. 
So I don't think that there was anything on the news at that point. And I don't think that, I mean, it was just like some hearsay here and there. If you knew the families, you knew but what was still, going on. Communities like that are pretty tight knit. I would imagine they were, they were fearful. Well, I don't know. Her father was actually a police officer. No way. So he's now listed as a former Folly Beach police chief, but I don't think he was the police chief at that time. I couldn't wow. find any indication of that. Um, but he was definitely on the police force. Holy crap. And it's yes. his daughter that's missing? And his daughter is missing. Oh, my God. So seven weeks after Mary vanished, this is April 11th now, a young female visitor, she was a tourist to the area, reported to police that she had escaped from a man who had tried to abduct her off the street. Oh, my God. He had tied her up and asked her if she would submit to having to sex with him. What? And she told him, I'll have sex with you only if you untie me. Because oh. she was scared that he was going to rape her and kill her and right. she wouldn't be able to fight. Right, right. So, um, smart. I know the way she escaped is that he got very distracted because he couldn't get an erection. Oh, isn't that all? Once he untied her, her, he couldn't get an erection. Oh, no. And so she was able to, to run away and she went and told police. Oh, my God. So this asshole was all wrapped up when he ties people up. Oh, my God. So at this point, police know there's a serial rapist in the area targeting young teen girls. Oh, my God. That's what they know. So, the next day, after... And, and the guy from the police chief or the police officer's daughter is one of them. Yes. It's missing. Oh, yes. my God. So, the next day, April 12th, um, there was a police officer that was patrolling Folly Beach, the Folly Beach area on foot in a kind of a remote area on an unrelated matter but it was kind of down kind of more remote where the the houses are more spaced out right um and he hears girls screaming <gasps> so he's like trying to investigate trying to figure out where these girls are and where the noise is coming from and so he he found them the noise was coming from underneath one of the beach cottages oh wow so he went to investigate and finds three girls um they're under this raised up cottage. And right. Because a lot of the cottages are on, like still for flooding. For flooding. Yeah. Right. They were all tightly bound and gagged. Oh my gosh. One had managed to slip her gag off enough to scream for help. Wow. Right. These were not the three missing girls. Oh. This shit. was not Mary or Alexis or Jan. These were three different girls. Are you kidding? No. Oh my God. What is this guy doing? So they told the officer they had been held up at gunpoint by a man that approached them on the beach. Oh, my gosh. And he marched them to this cottage and tied them up and gagged them and left them. Think about all the times we went to the beach, not Folly Beach, but the Outer Banks when we were growing up. And our, we'd get there and our parents would just turn us loose and we'd walk on the beach. and All the time. You just don't think about it. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. And you always go down to the beach and you always want to try to get away from the crowd, right? Sure. You try yeah. to go and get, like, I want to spot away from all the crowd. I want to go somewhere right. more remote, more, no, we need to be in the middle of the crowd. Yeah. Right in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Find the biggest family and just go set your chairs up with them. <laughs> just say, hi, I do a podcast. I'm scared. I'm just going to pretend it's like right. I'm with y'all. I want to go to the beach, but yes. I'm scared. So I'm just going to hang with you Safety guys. Safety in numbers. Y'all got the biggest number. I'm joining you. Yes. Brilliant. Oh, that's what's going to happen from now on. So, and so upon the examination of the rope that had bound these girls, it was identical to the rope from the girl that was tied up at the shopping center. Identical. Did I say that wrong? No, but that's from uh, my cousin Vinny. Okay. Identical. identical. Yes. <laughs> So, um, between these three girls at the shopping center, or the, between these three girls and the shopping center girl, they were able to get a really good sketch of this man because they all described him the same way. Right. And then they finally released his sketch along with flyers reminding people of the missing girls. Right. Okay. So, the next day, the Folly Beach police get a phone call from a Folly Beach resident. Oh. He said his dog kept acting strangely at this one specific oh, spot no. on Folly Beach where he walked every day. 
And he said, the dog is just really acting weird right at this spot. I think you all should just check it out. Right. So the police go and check it out, and they start digging, and they find the body of a teenage girl. Oh, no. Bound at the wrists and ankles <gasps> with the same rope. Oh, God. And, um, oh, the donuts. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, donuts, donuts. We don't care about dead girls. Donuts. Yay. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. So, um, let's see. They found the body. The so girl, they, she's bound. Yes, same rope as the other girls. And so then they went and um, they re-interviewed all of these girls. And they figured out that this man has a fetish for bonding for sexual pleasure. Oh, my God. That's so weird. So they start to develop a suspect. Sorry. That's okay. Go ahead. They're developing a suspect. And it happens to be a local sailor at the Navy base in Charleston. No. <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah. It is. Oh, so, man. His name is Richard Raymond Valenti, Yikes. and he's 32 years old. Yikes. So they go and arrest him for the kidnapping of the three girls. Actually, the four girls. It's the kidnapping and then the shopping girls, shopping center girl. Right. So they... Um, arrest him for that and they had because they are suspecting him of the murder of the girl that they dug up right which that girl i forgot i think i might have forgotten to tell you that actually was mary bunch <gasps> the, the police, the police officer's, officer's daughter oh, no yes so um so they arrest him for the kidnapping of the girls and then on suspicion of murder but they had to have a reason to hold him sure yeah so oh, no yeah so, um, they go to pick him up at his residence um, in May, in, and they're in the patrol car, and he starts talking. Oh. And the police officers stop him several times and remind him of his Miranda rights. Right. Don't forget, anything that you say to us can and will be used against you in court. Are you sure you want to speak to us? Right. Yes, I just need to get this off my chest. Oh, God. Okay. So, they get into the police station and he gives them a full confession oh wow he confesses to um kidnapping alexis and jan raping them and killing them oh no yes and he um but they haven't found those two right no but he agrees to lead them to the bodies of alexis and jan how delightful for what a sweet guy yeah they are also buried in the dunes of Folly Beach, <gasps> not oh. far from where Mary's body was found. Oh, my gosh. All were tied with the same rope. Jesus. The difference is these two girls um, clearly, well, I'll get to that. Okay. Okay, I'll get to that. Their only skeletal remains. There's okay. no, there's no body anymore. It's just skeletal remains. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at the. But the the rope that there was rope still around their wrists and and their ankles. Right. They were still bound, and it was the same rope again. Oh, same oh rope. This rope is freaking me out. So, um, he also confessed to raping them. Oh. So then. Um, he starts talking to them about his porn addiction that he says started around age seven. What? So age seven, he's 32 years old. This is in the 70s. He didn't get this porn from the internet, girl. He got it from his daddy. Oh, Lord. He had to have. Where else would he get porn at I the age know. of seven? Yeah. Back in the 60s, 50s. Very true. 40s. More back in the 40s. I mean, he's looking at broads. He's looking at <laughs> naked broads. Yeah. Oh, my God. Seven years old, he's addicted to porn. I have a problem with that. Oh. I have a problem with him saying that because I, I somehow don't believe that. I don't know why, but there's something in my gut that says that's not true. You're trying to blame this on something from your childhood. Right. He also said the Lord had, to the Lord oh. had told him to do this to these young girls because they had the devil inside. <gasps> what? Yeah. Usually, it's the devil made me do it. Right. This is Jesus Christ himself has made me do it because Jesus says there's the devil in these girls. Oh, my God. This man is seven ways to Sunday crazy. So he had he had so he was addicted to porn at the age of seven. At the age of seven. Eventually, he joins the Navy. OK, he goes off to Vietnam oh. in the Navy and he comes back. 
with this weird obsession with binding young girls. Right, kind of makes you wonder how many he did that to in Vietnam. Well, exactly. Where did he get this from? Right. So he says that sexual feelings would come over him when he rendered young females helpless. Oh, my gosh. At the time of all of this, he had a five-year-old daughter. <gasps> Are you kidding? I am not kidding. You talk about a sick man. This Again, this is where empathy, vacant, 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 vacant. Because wow. he can't look at his daughter and think, how would I feel if somebody did this to my five-year-old daughter or my when my daughter's 12 or 14 or 16? How is that going to make me feel if somebody does that to oh her? Oh, my gosh. Exactly. So this is a sick ticket. Sick ticket. So um, in each case, he would find young girls and hold them at gunpoint and make them partially undress. <gasps> he would bind them at their hands and feet. He would tie and untie them and retie them in several different positions. Oh my gosh. As he was getting aroused. And then he says he would only ask permission oh. for them to have sex with oh, him. Okay. And they usually, he says, wanted to. Of course. Can you imagine? I'm 14 years old. I have this 32 year old man holding me at gunpoint, making me partially undressed and untying me, tying me, untying me, retying me. Sometimes my hands were in the front, sometimes over my head. And suddenly I want to have sex with you. Right. I mean, come on. Get with it, mister. Really? We don't believe your shit. No. So anyway, this man is really upsetting me, if you haven't noticed. I'm really <laughs> upset because I have a daughter and I'm a person and I'm a female. I'm abroad. This would upset me. So, and I'm going to tell you, you're, you're going to find out why I'm so upset in a minute, and then you're going to be upset with me. You're going oh. to be like, what the freaking fludging, shitting, hellin' fluh. Okay. Okay. I'll so, let you continue. <laughs> I'm going to get through this. It's hard sometimes because they are such assholes. So, he spoke specifically of Alexis and Jan. Mm -hmm. Okay. These are the first two that we know about. Right. I'm, I'm sure there were more. I mean, I, I don't I don't know why. Past two have been. Yes. Yeah, so... He said that he took them under the house and he, of this beach house, and he eventually, and that he would make them partially undress and he was tying and untying and all this kind of stuff as he was getting sexually aroused. And then he was like, and my ultimate fantasy was that I actually made them stand on chairs and I tied a rope around their neck that was hooked to the water no like under the way. house. Yeah. And he says, they struggled, and they kicked the chair out from under their feet. Oh, my gosh. But he also described how their feet were just inches from touching the ground. <gasps> and yet he sat there and watched them struggle until they died. Oh, my God. And he found that to be incredibly sexually arousing and masturbated. Oh, my God. That is horrifying. Yeah. So... Oh, it makes me sick to my stomach, but I will still eat a donut. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so during the trial, his test his wife testified on his behalf. Are you kidding? Mm -mm. She said after he went to Vietnam, he was never quite right again. Okay. Okay. He had once, she had once, she had once walked in on him in the bathroom. He was naked on the floor fondling a piece of rope and masturbating. What? Red flag, red flag, red flag. Why wouldn't you run? Why wouldn't right. you say, I'm taking my five-year-old daughter and getting the flipping hell out of here? You're a sick ticket. Go oh get some help. Oh, my God. Yeah. So she knew he had these sexual depravity issues. She knew. Ugh. She knew. Oh, my God. So he gets tried for the abduction and murder of the first two girls, Alexis and Jan. Okay. He gets two consecutive life sentences. Okay. Okay. Two consecutive, consecutive life sentences. Okay. Not without the possibility of parole. What? Yes. Are you kidding? They did not try him on any other charges. They didn't even try him on Mary Bunch's murder. What are you talking because about? Because the prosecution said he already has two life sentences 
We're good. Why are we going to put the families through this? We don't want these young girls that he kidnapped to have to relive this on the stand. We're just going to oh, let him go to jail. Oh, now this is probably typical 1970s thought yes, process. exactly. Oh, my God. So, every 24 months, every 24 months, yeah. this man comes up for parole. Every two years, he comes up. Every parole. twenty-four months, he Since comes up. Since the nineteen seventies, it started in the two thousands. Okay, it started in two thousand seven, I think. Okay, okay. Not that that's any better, but so I want you to know he is housed at Lee's Correctional Facility in Bishopville, South Carolina. Oh my gosh! Yes, which yeah, that's not that far from here. It's like outside of Florence, right? This is the part that gets me. His wife and daughter attend every single hearing, parole hearing, on his behalf. <gasps> what? And they petition every two years to have him released. Because they don't think he did it, even though he confessed, or because why? Well, his daughter says, he was arrested when I was five years old right in front of me, and I grew up a very confused person, and I just want my dad home. Sorry, honey, your dad is the devil. Right. You don't want your dad home. And your mom should have moved on with her life, divorced this asshole, and gotten you a real dad. Right. Yeah. His wife says it's just because he went to Vietnam. <gasps> oh, my gosh. You think that's justifiable? Homicide? Oh, my gosh. This is just a woman that has extremely thick blinders on. That is insane. So she has stuck by him all these years. That's crazy. That's what makes me mad. That. It infuriates me. Oh, my gosh. So, the families of Mary, Alexis, and Jan attend in person every year. So, his his wife and daughters, they you have the option of, of going and attending through, like, the courts. You can do through video. And right. they attend through video. They don't actually. They've gone to see him a couple of times. Um, he doesn't always attend. Sometimes he's in Columbia on video, and they're with him. So it's just a really, conf I don't know how these parole hearings work. This is another situation where I wish I could be part of it, but they will never let me because I, I won't be fair. So, but, so what happened was, um, the, let's see, Jan's sister and Mary's sister, and I think Alex, somebody in Alexis's family, they go every year, they're every two years to the parole hearings. Oh my God. They also collect signatures to turn in personally to the parole board of all these citizens that do not want him released. They just shouldn't have to go through that. Every two years they have to relive this. They shouldn't have they to have do to it. take the, all their pictures and their pictures I found on the internet of where they were digging up the two bodies and where they were found. Oh. They have pictures of the crime scenes. They have pictures of the skeletal remains. They have to bring this out. One lady, one Mary's mother, I think it was Mary's mother, died of a heart of a heart attack a year after she was missing and right. and every her sister says she died of a broken heart of course she couldn't live she at that point they didn't they still didn't know where Mary was. Right. so he should never be let back into society the biggest fear that this fa these families have is that he's 73 years old now and they are so fearful that the parole board is going to see him as non-threatening because he's old Ugh. right. He says he just wants, he's done his time and he just wants to go live out his time with his family that um, he has found the Lord. Of course, they all do. Guess what? I remember he found the Lord when the Lord told him to do this. Exactly. I think he found the wrong Lord. Right. And here's my thing. You found God. Bully for you. Sit in your cell and pray until you rot in that cell. Exactly. I mean, I think it's great that you found God. God is going to forgive you when you get to his presence. But until then, you've got to serve your sentence. Yes. And listen, there are so many stories about 70-some-year-old child predators that were finally let out of jail only for them to go do it again. Exactly. Men have sexual urges in their 70s. Right. And it wasn't just his sex. It wasn't just that he was raping these girls. He murdered them. He bound them. He, he degraded them. 
Like tortured them. Tortured them. So so exactly. So there's no excuse for them ever letting this man out. He better not get out because I will go perch myself in front of his front yard all day, every day for the rest of my life, reminding people what a horrible person he is. Oh my gosh. Because they should never let him out. And it should just be done. If he found God, what he needs to do is ask God to take him now. Right. Do us all the favor and ask God to take you. Yeah. Because You've got nothing to offer to society. And I'm sorry that your wife and your daughter have held on for all these years, but that's your wife's fault. Yeah. She should have been a better mother, and she should have taken that child and gone on with their lives. Right. But, no, he doesn't get to have all of these his family because he took these girls from their family. Right. In their teens. In their teens. Yes. Exactly. So, anyway, I think that... um, his parole, I think, is coming up in October again of oh. this year. This is the year. Um, I actually found on Facebook a, a um, Facebook group mm-hmm. that that one of these people run that talk about not getting him parole and mm-hmm. asked to join it last night. Oh, you did? I haven't heard back. It may. I mean, I I think the latest post on it was like from 2018. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know, but he, as far as I can tell, he's never been released from parole, and he is still in Bishopville, right, South Carolina. So um, I would love to go and attend the parole hearing because I'd like to have a moment with his wife, yeah, and let her know what a disservice she has done to her daughter, yeah. So that's my wow, story. Wow, that is crazy. Bobby Beach serial killer. I had no idea. Me neither. That is insane. I love Bobby Beach, but he might have. Like tainted it a little bit for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be thinking about that. Me too. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. It's it's very crazy and very sad. So you took the donuts out. The donuts are out of the oven. Okay. So I'm gonna put it on pause real quick so I can melt my butter. Yes. And then you dip this. You dip these donuts in butter. Yes. And then you roll them in sugar. Apple pie spice and cinnamon. Yes. So that they're the, and I loved a raised sugar donut. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put it on pause and I'm going to do that and then we'll come back and we're going to eat it and tell you how freaking good oh it is. Oh my God. We're so, going to have warm donuts. Mm, hold Yay. on a minute. Just a second. I swear we'll be back. Yes. We're back. We're back again and we have tag teamed the buttering and the sugaring. Mm. So. Anne's already taken a bite. I couldn't wait anymore. How is it? Oh my God, it's the worst thing I've ever tasted in my life. <laughs> it's mm. so good. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. These are very cakey. Mm-hmm. They really soak up the butter. I mean, mm. <laughs> they really do. So very good. So, I think this is a hit. Mm-hmm. So, if y'all want the recipe, you can email us. Yeah. We have email, and it's called murder.sugarcoated at gmail.com. Mm-hmm, that's the one. We also have social media. We do. On the Instagram, we are at sugarcoatedmurder. Should be pretty easy to find us. And on Facebook, we are we have a fan page called Sugar Coated Murder Fan Page Group. Mm-hmm. And you have to ask to join that, but don't worry, we we never turned anybody away because we are very desperate for friends. Yeah. <laughs> and listen, when you're on that group, you get information about contests that we run. Sometimes we do videos and post them to the fan page. <laughs> yeah. We don't post those videos anywhere else. No. Sometimes we put the sound check that goes on sometimes before we start recording. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And then there's a regular... Facebook page that is um, Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. Right. We have a website called SugarCoatedPod.com. Mm-hmm. And, guys, we're selling merchandise. We are. Oh, my gosh. And that, you can find our merchandise under Sugar Coated Murder Podcast, I think it is. Look for the logo because you'll know if you got the right one or not. But it's on um, Public. Yeah. And later this week, we're going to be releasing more merchandise on another website. So we'll post that on all of our social media and let y'all know where it is. Um, Tell your friends about us. Let us know you're out there. We love getting an email from you guys. We love if there's a murder you want covered. If there's a recipe that you want us to do, then do it. Yeah. Send it. We'll try anything. We're not afraid of failure. 
Stay sweet and don't murder. Don't do any of those things because we're just yeah. a couple of broads. Mind your manners and wash your damn hands. All of those things. Yes. And have a great week. And y'all have a great, great week. Rest of your week. Yes. And thank you so much for tuning Get in. in. We love y'all. Make some loving, wonderful things for your family. Your Go friends. buy some apple cider. Dump it in a saucepan, put two sticks of cinnamon in it, and warm it on your stove and see if they don't go crazy for it. Exactly. So, and then right. serve it up in a cup of tea. A cup of tea. Yes. All right, guys. Well, we're going to go. We are. I'm still eating my donut. I'm done with mine. And we love y'all so much. much. <laughs> Bye. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.